Would you turn over in your Bibles? We're going to be over in the book of Daniel here today. As we've been taking some time out looking at fasting. We've seen some of the people that were involved in the fast. And we wanted to take a look at Daniel because Daniel had some fasting involved with him. Now sometimes we think of Daniel fasting would be in that first time when he said, I don't want to eat the meat, I'm just going to eat the vegetables. But there's more involved with, with Daniel and fasting, and there's a time in chapter 9 where it actually says that he, with prayer and fasting, went after God. Because of that, many people, when they need an answer from God, set out to pray and to fast. Because of what Daniel did. Daniel sought after God, and it says in the Word that he, he did with prayer, supplication, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So, if we need to seek after God for an answer, is fasting something that should be involved? So, since Daniel did it, it's in the Word of God, we wanted to spend some time to look at this and to find out what role fasting would play here. Because we've seen so far that fasting plays a role in helping you overcome your flesh. Your flesh speaks up, and it says it wants certain things, there are other things you can do beside fasting to get, get a hold of this. But fasting is one of the most common. It's talked about in the scripture quite a bit. And it's, uh, you would be hard pressed to find a single person on this earth who does not eat. Everybody eats. If you don't, you won't be here on this earth very long. You will go away. So that's why fasting is, is very often brought into this. But there's other things that you can do. And I know some people will say, well, I have some things that hinder me. Uh, if you're diabetic, I, I can understand that uh, some types of fasting could really mess with you. That could be a problem to, uh, to be involved with, um, with fasting when those kind of things go on. And other people have other dietary things that might come up. But there's other stuff that you can do as, as well. So you want to take a look at what is it that your flesh is calling for? Because the idea of fasting is not victory over food, it's victory over your flesh. And that's what we have to keep in mind. And the Spirit of God will help you to find some things to overcome your flesh. That does you no good if you can fast for a day, but have no victory over your flesh. Every time your flesh says, get angry, you get angry. Every time your flesh says to cuss, you cuss. Every time your flesh says to do this, you do it. It will do you no good if you can fast for a day a week and cannot get a handle on the flesh in those areas. You've, you've, uh, you've missed out on what fasting is supposed to do to help you out. Now, can you go to heaven without fasting? Yes. You can get to heaven without fasting. Folks, you can get to heaven without praying in tongues too, but the road is a whole lot better if you get all the tools that God has given you. If you get all the things that, that God has uh, supplied for you, it will be much easier to, uh, to be able to do that. You can fix your car with a wrench and a few other tools, but how many of you know if you have a, a larger tool supply, it's a whole lot easier for those of you who would like to fix your car. I don't fix cars. I take it to people who do that. <laughs> it takes me twice as long, probably three times as long, just to learn how to fix it. And then execute it would take even longer. So it's just better just to go out there and find somebody who's going to fix it and do it right. And then we're, we're taken care of. 
whole lot better. But let's take a look over here. We're going to go back to Daniel chapter 2. Our main focus is Daniel chapter 9, but let's go on back here and, and pull some things out of Daniel chapter 2. We're not looking at Daniel chapter 2 to interpret the dream, evaluate the dream, all that sort of thing. We've done that before, but we're going to Daniel chapter 2 for other reasons. And so we're just going to take a, take a look at those. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and in his spirit, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Just a side note, I think it's a, a kind of odd. Nebuchadnezzar. How many Nebuchadnezzars do you know? Anybody know a Nebuchadnezzar? We don't name our kids after them. There are a lot of Bible names that are big, and we do not know them. I mean, if you say a name, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that's in the, that's in the, uh, in the Bible. Uh, but there's a whole lot of, uh, of uh, Bible names we don't hear, we don't really think about a whole lot. Jeconiah. How many people think about that name all the time? We don't, we don't, there's, there's a lot of Bible names that are in there and we just, we couldn't even recall them. But how many of you could recall Nebuchadnezzar's name at the drop of a hat? No problem. Pull them right out. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Roll right off your tongue. You don't have any trouble pronouncing it. It's just Nebuchadnezzar. Piece of cake. Why is it that a heathen king with a long name that no one has rolls off the tip of our tongue so easily? Isn't that kind of odd? He's a Babylonian king. It's nothing to do with the Israel, Israelites, except that he oppressed them, conquered them. But we, we know him so well. Well, God gave him a dream. That dream put him on the map. And if it wasn't for Daniel, we would probably have forgotten about Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king, and they, the king said to them, I have, a, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. What he's saying here is his spirit has been stirred up. He knows this dream is different from other dreams. This dream came from a different place. It came from a different source. And it, it, it hit him spiritually. Down in his spirit man, because even if you're unsaved, you have a spirit man. Unsaved people have a spirit being. They are a spirit being. It's just unregenerated yet. We get born again. That spirit gets regenerated, born again. But they, they still have the spirit being. They, they still can, can get things in their spirit, so to speak. I have had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. O king, live forever, tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made as an ash heap. Now, do you know that the book of Daniel is the only, I think it's the only book in the Bible that is not in Hebrew? And it actually switches right here. When it says that they said to him in Aramaic, the text switches from Hebrew to Aramaic. Now, how many of you are fans of The Hunt for Red October? Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. The, whoever wrote The Hunt for Red October must know this about Daniel. Because if you see they speak Russian in The Hunt for Red October until the captain reads scripture. 
And when he reads the scripture, he reads it in English, and from there on out, all the Russians speak English. It's a wonderful transition. And I'll bet they pulled it from the book of Daniel, because this is how Daniel did this. So they said in Aramaic, tell us the, tell us the dream. We'll give you the interpretation. This is how it always works. You tell us a dream, we give you the interpretation. I mean, it sounds pretty, pretty basic, pretty good. If you want an interpretation of a dream, what do you need to do? Tell them the dream. Tell them the dream, they give you an interpretation. Have you ever heard people that have had dreams and they think they're from God? And they may be. I'm not saying, I don't want to bring skepticism. God says he'll, he'll speak to people through dreams. But they've had dreams and then you heard somebody say, oh, that means this. And you say, what? <laughs> that just does not compute. That's not right. Well, the king was thinking some of that about some of his wise men and their there are things that they had said about his past dreams. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its inter- interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made in ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive gifts from me, gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Many times the thought has gone out or the teaching has gone out that the king forgot the dream and needed to be reminded of the dream, was bothered because he had this dream and he couldn't remember it, but he knew it was important. That is not what happened. The king knows the dream. He wants them to tell him what the dream was so that he knows they're qualified to answer it, to interpret it. Because he doesn't want any of this garbage that they've been giving him. He wants them to be qualified. If you really are wise people, wise men, if you really do speak with the gods, then the gods will tell you what the dream is just like the gods told me what the dream was. Because he just thinks it's the gods that have told him this dream. He does not know it is Jehovah. The king answered and said, verse 8, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me. Till the time has changed, therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that you can give me this interpretation. You can see he does not trust these guys. Doesn't think that they've done right. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave a command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. In other words, what they are confessing here is, we have no contact with the gods. (laughs) That's why he got so furious. He's been paying them. They're on his staff so that they are a direct line to the gods, to him. They're supposed to come and the gods have said this and the gods have said this and the gods have have uh, predicted this. They're coming with the words from the gods. And they have just admitted right here, we are frauds. (laughs) No man talks to the gods. And he's mad now because I've been paying you. You've been over here eating my food, living in my house, spending my money. You've got expense, expense accounts. You're going out there and buying stuff, doing stuff, living high. And you're telling me that you're frauds? So he's mad. For this reason, the king was very angry and very furious. That's why he got angry and mad. It's not because he's just short-tempered. It's because they have been lying to him and they admitted it. 
So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Wise men died. They did not get ready to kill them. They started to kill the wise men. And so they're just bringing them in there and executing them, chopping them up. Bringing in some more, executing them. Bringing in some more, executing them. And in the midst of this, they go out there and they get Daniel and his companions who are not fully authorized wise men yet. They're still going through all the schooling and, and such things. And so uh, Daniel finds out about this. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men. So we see that um, that Daniel, when he finds out what's going on, he, with counsel and wisdom, he answered Ariok, the captain of the king's guard. He answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Now, how many of you, if you are being rounded up to be killed, your question is, oh, why is it so urgent? Why do we got to do this right away? How many of you are saying, why me? I didn't do nothing. <laughs> how many of you would be asking that question instead? Why me? I was not there. I didn't say anything to the king. He didn't give me a chance. Why are you killing me for what other guys did? And I didn't do this. He didn't. Uh, he's very calm. Uh, just curious, why is the king's command so urgent? Then Arach made the decision known to Daniel, so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Now Daniel soft, soft coats this because he is still an apprentice. He is still in the learning phase of this. He was not in the group that was before the king. And he tells Arioch, look, bring me before the king. I'll take care of this. And Arioch has enough confidence in Daniel above all the others that he puts himself at risk to not do what the king said to do urgently, to hold that up and to bring Daniel before the king. Now, the king is mad because these guys have been lying to him. He's furious. He's already given a decree to to kill him. Now, understand this. Do you remember when a king gave a decree? with the Medes and Persians and uh, said Daniel had to go in the lion's den and he tried all night to get it. When a king gave a decree, you did it. And so this decree went went out and Arioch stops following it to take time out to bring this guy before Daniel. He risked himself because he had that much confidence in Daniel. And Daniel had stood out that much. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Now, what happened to the other guys when they asked for time? They didn't get it, did they? I just know you're trying to delay. But Daniel got time. How is it that the same king who said no now says yes? See, there's something about Daniel in that Daniel comes to him and says, look, what you ask can be done. Just give me time to go before my God and ask him what this dream was. And I will come and I will tell you the dream and its interpretation. I say that was different from the other guys. The other guys say this can't be done. No one's heard from God. So he said, oh, all right, let's do that. Now think about this too. King Nebuchadnezzar 
wants above all things, he wants the interpretation to this dream. I need the interpretation of this dream. He gets so mad at their answer that he wipes out, he wants to wipe out everyone in the kingdom who could bring him that answer and start from scratch and build up new ones. How many years away is he from finding out what this dream means if he goes that course? And he is so angry, he is willing to go that way. To just wait for years to come after something that it doesn't seem like he's willing to wait a day for. But when Daniel comes and says, just give me time. He may have even said, look, tomorrow I'll bring this to you. But here in the scripture, he just says he, he came and asked for, asked for time. And Daniel went to his house, made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, the reason they sought after it is a good reason. We don't want to die. You put us here in this kingdom for a purpose. And we want to accomplish that purpose. We don't want to die. If we die, we don't accomplish the purpose that God has for us here. So God, minister to this heathen king through us so that we stay alive. If it were some other Christians, they would have gone there and said, Oh, dear God! But they didn't do that. Uh, verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changed the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and the knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have known and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. Now most people, if they were praying and asking God for a dream, which no one had ever done up until then, no one had ever asked God for a dream and its interpretation, and God gave them the dream and the interpretation, how many of us are running out of the room and making a beeline for the king? I mean, we're excited. We're going to find Arioch. We're going to tell him. We're going to wake him up. Arioch. I got it. He doesn't. He gets it. Ah, let's praise God for a little while. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> you see, Daniel's response is from a man who has these things, these emotions under the control of his spirit. Galatians 5.24 says this, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Most Christians go through this life and have not reached the point of this verse. They have not crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And their passions and their desires ruled them. They're not supposed to rule us. We are to have them, but they are not to rule us. Daniel had those things under control. He didn't even have Galatians to read. But he had these things under, under control. The king does not. He's a heathen king. He gets angry. His passions get him so mad he wants to wipe out the very people who would help him accomplish what he wants to do. Now the word does not say that fasting was involved. But Daniel was doing something to get these 
passions of his in line and under control. When we look at Daniel's life when he first became there, and it says he wouldn't eat the, the meat sacrificed to idols, he ate vegetables. Understand this, I don't know that Daniel ate vegetables all his life. I believe he ate vegetables during a training time. Once he came into a place of power and he had rule and authority, he could get his meat wherever he wanted to. He was in charge of things. He could get meat that was not sacrificed to idols. He didn't have to just eat vegetables anymore. I'm pretty sure Daniel got to that point. So he could eat the things that he wanted to eat. But along this way, he continued to find times of fasting, find times of discipline. We find out in, in chapter 6 that he prayed three times a day. As busy as he was, he ran a kingdom. But as busy as he was, he found three times a day set times. For him, he had set times. doesn't mean you have to have three set times a day. It means Daniel did. And Daniel didn't let anything interfere with that. If you've been through the end times class, we've talked to you about this part. Can you imagine a head of state? Because this is what Daniel is. Daniel is one of the heads of state. He's in charge. Of, the king was given thought to giving him, putting him over the entire realm. A foreigner over the entire realm. Can you imagine the king calling for Daniel? Daniel, I need to meet with you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And Daniel says, King, that is my prayer time. I cannot meet with you at 3. I will meet with you at 2. I will meet you at 5.30. Whatever time he gave him. I cannot meet with you at 3 o'clock. Daniel, I am the king. You need to meet with me. This is the time that I have. King, you are the king. And I will meet with you whenever I am not meeting with my king. <laughs> or something Mike, with my God. Somehow he's going to phrase that. Can you imagine saying that sometimes? And I can imagine the king getting mad. The king got mad already. I can imagine the king getting mad at this. I am the king over this realm. I am your boss. You will meet with me when I say. And I can imagine Daniel looking at the king and saying, King, have I given you wisdom that you have not found other places? Have I given you dreams and interpretations that you have not found other places? And you probably have to say yes. King, that is because I am before my God and because He speaks to me. And these are times that I must do this. He stuck with it. That takes great discipline. That takes having your emotions under control, your passions, your, the flesh has to be under control for you to operate this way. Daniel operated this way. This is how he went. Now, let's go over to chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. This is just after the transition. The Chaldeans are now out. The Medes and the Persians are in. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments. In the first year of Darius, there is uh, really no historical record of Darius the king. No one can find him. 
it would seem that this is a title that is put on someone or that, that is taken by the king. And more than likely, the Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, is Cyrus the Great. And of course, we know the things that Cyrus had done. So this is a change of regime. In Babylon, Daniel was very high up in that empire. We don't know what his place is during the first year. He may be, have gone all the way down to the bottom. He may be overlooked. We don't know what it is that he's doing. He may have been moved over to do some of the things for the Medo-Persian Empire that he was doing for the, the uh, Babylonians. But it says that he understood by the books he is continually studying the Word of God. He is studying for a particular reason. He knows that the captivity was for a temporary time. That the prophets said they would return. He wants to know when they would return. So he's continually going through and reading and studying to find out when they would return. He came upon Jeremiah 25, 11 and 12, which says, And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. Now, if you were studying the word of God to find out when will the captivity be over, and you came upon this verse, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Is that hard to understand? How many of you, when you look at that, understand, okay, they're going to be in captivity for 70 years? That's not hard to understand, is it? It's pretty clear. 70 years. Why is it it took Daniel the entire reign of the Babylonian Empire to figure that out? Daniel's a smart guy. Daniel runs kingdoms. He gets the respect of all those people that are around him. And he did not know until the Babylonian Empire came to an end and the Medes and the Persians took over that the Word of God said 70 years. How is that possible? You know that Daniel was studying. They didn't have as many scriptures then as we do, and Daniel studied continually. How is it that Daniel does not know right from the beginning that 70 years was going to be the the time frame? This is in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was written during the time when Jerusalem fell. This has been around all this time. Did he just suddenly come into a copy of this particular scripture? That wouldn't seem to be the case. There are many things in scripture that seem to be plain and very evident to us now. But only because our eyes have been opened to see them. The disciples were told that the Son of Man would be crucified, he would die, be buried, and on the third day he would rise up. But they didn't understand it. 
until after it was over. They heard it, but they didn't see it. Now with that, how many, show of hands, how many folks can remember something in the Word of God? It was very plain. And when someone pointed out, oh, how did I miss that? Anybody have ever had that in the Word? How, how did I miss that? It's right there. I've read this scripture and it's right there. This is what Daniel is going through. And I've read this scripture. Here it is. How did I miss this? Now keep that in mind. Because it's happened to you before, it'll happen to you again. Every time you approach the Word, do you know you can approach it? My eyes are open to things I didn't see before. Wow. I can ask questions I couldn't ask before. That's why you can keep going back to the Word. And there's more for you to be had. So he sees this. And so he decides to pursue. All right, what's going to happen now? He said, let's, let's go back to this. Then I set my face, verse 3, toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments. And he goes on, we're not going to look at all the prayer. But he wants to know, what happens now? Here's the prophet. The prophet said we would be in captivity for seven years. What happens now? Where do we go from here? He wants to know. And so he seeks the Lord to get an answer. But he seeks Him with prayer, supplications, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes are for mourning. And if you look at the prayer that he makes, there's a lot of mourning, a lot of forgiveness in there. Well, what role did fasting play here? Because he does get an answer. And the answer comes, and we're going to go down here and and take a look at this answer that comes. But what role does fasting play in this? Does fasting, as some people have come to conclude, move God? Does God look at fasting and say, Wow, look at that. I mean, they're, they're down there, they're fasting. You know what? I wasn't sure I was going to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Because they're fasting. I don't find any place in the Word of God where it supports that. I see people that come out with that interpretation. But you have to read into this to get that interpretation. Fasting was involved, but it doesn't say that fasting was what caused God to send the answer. What role does fasting play here? Because if I understand the role, I can answer this question. Will fasting help us or help me when we need an answer from God? Now, have you ever needed an answer from God and set out to fast? Fast and pray. I need an answer. I've sent out to fast and pray. All right, a few folks have. And um, here, here, Daniel, he fasted and prayed. Did he get the answer? So is the answer a result of the prayer, supplication, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes? Or could you leave one of them out? Did you need all of them together? And if that's the case, when you were fasting and praying, how many of you had sackcloth and ashes? That was your problem. You forgot the sackcloth and ashes. 
you would have gotten the sackcloth and ashes, you probably would have got your answer, huh? Why is it that we felt okay to leave the sackcloth and ashes off, but not the fasting? It's simple. Because we don't understand what had the effect. So we just grab at everything that we can and mix it all in there. And that's hope it does it. I don't know, work for Daniel. Maybe it'll work for me. He mentions fasting purposely. It's in the Word of God. It's inspired. It's in there. What does the fasting do? Now, I'm going to make a statement to you. I don't think I put it in your outline. I'm going to make this statement to you. You can write it down. You can remember it. You can throw it out. Whatever you want to do. Fasting will not help all Christians hear from God. Fasting will not help all Christians hear from God. And once I tell you the reason for that, you'll understand it. If you are a person, a Christian, believer, who does not have your passions under control, does not have your flesh under the control of your spirit, if your passions and you're, you just flare up and you get mad and say things and react to things, fasting will not help you hear from God. It'll help you get that under control, but it will not help you hear from God. If you are a Christian who, like Daniel, has his passions, his feelings, his emotions under the control of his spirit, so that when we see him in troubled times, he is calm. When we see him facing the lion's den, do we see him upset? No. Do we see him facing death at the king in chapter 2? We don't see him upset. He is calm. He answers with wisdom. We can see this is Daniel is. If you are that type of a Christian who has your passions crucified, fasting will help you here. There's a reason for it. And you'll understand the reason totally. If you do not have your flesh under control and you endeavor to fast to hear from God, your flesh will rise up and throw a fit. Because it's not under control yet. If you go out there and you, you're fasting, you're still trying to get your flesh under control. And you go out there and, and fast. How many of you, the whole time you're fast, don't raise your hand on this one, but how many of you, the whole time you're fasting, are thinking, food. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I'm so hungry. I just need to eat some food. <laughs> Is fasting getting you a whole lot of benefit right there? No, you're thinking about food all the time. But if you come into the effect, you know, when Jesus is out there in the wilderness and he's fasting for 40 days, how many of you think he's thinking about food? I am so hungry. I just need to eat something. He's not thinking that, is he? Moses on the mountain when he's fasting for 40 days. Is he thinking food? Oh, I need some food. These people are involved in these long fasts. They're, they're not thinking about food. They're totally caught up with God. Totally caught up in the things of God. If you don't have your passions in such control, under control, and you set out to hear from God and go to fasting to hear it, your flesh is going to rise up and you're going to have a hard time hearing from God because your flesh is making a bunch of noise. 
It's kind of like this. How many of you have been out to the Walmart? My favorite stores. I never pick on Target. I ought to pick on Target sometimes, huh? Anyway, you're out at the Walmart, and you're in line, and the person, the, the mom or dad ahead of you, they got that kid in the cart, and he is just acting up. I want candy! <laughs> Y'all been there? You seen it? I want candy! Yeah. We're not getting candy now. I want candy! And they, they throw a fit, a fit, and the mom or the dad, they begin to try and exercise some discipline on the child. Right? Maybe they smack them. Maybe they uh, speak to them. I don't know. They exercise some kind of discipline on the child. And, um, I want candy! Give me candy! And when you get home, I'm gonna... And the, and the threats come out. You know, and we do the threats. And what's that do to the kid? Nothing. I want candy! They begin to cry. And they begin to wail. You think you are killing this kid. And they want candy. And what inevitably do the parents do? Oh, fine. Have the candy. And what's the kid do? Settles down. And he eats the candy. And he got what he wanted. Right? Who won? Kid won. But the parent feels like they won because the kid settled down. Finally. Peace. <laughs> this is why how you have to get, when you're in a parent in that situation, you got this kid who's out of control and he's doing things. You got to rise up and be bigger than the kid. You got to find out what makes that kid tick. It's my job as a parent. What makes them understand? Because you see some parents that are out of control and they come over to this kid who's throwing the fit and they begin to reason with the kid. Well, Johnny, I have some candy at home. If you'll settle down and be good, when we get home, I'll get you some candy. I want candy when we're home! I want candy now. Give me candy. Reasoning won't work with that, with that particular child. You've got to understand what is the key to making that child listen and obey. And how I many you know every child is different? Sometimes, some children you can just sit down and you can talk with them. And, um, you know, we're, we're good to go. We can, we can just have a talk. And, uh, alright, well, yeah, we can do that. And if you try and apply anything real forceful in that, you'll destroy their spirit. And then you have other ones that if you try and sit down and talk with them, it's not going to get anywhere. They will rule you. We had, we only had two kids. And they were very, very different, very opposite. And I tell people all the time, my daughter looks like my wife, but she thinks like her dad. <laughs> I tell people that, tell her that all the time. I would tell her, and she's grown up, you look like your mom, but you think like me. So because she thought like me, I could understand her. And I could speak to her on a level, because I, I, I knew what she's thinking, 
And so we were able to develop a relationship. And my wife would tell me over and over again, all she needs to think is that she disappointed you. And you will shatter her. <laughs> my son wasn't that way. I couldn't have that same thing of sit down and just reason this thing out, talk this thing out. I could do that all we wanted to, but until I applied the things that he, adjust, that he would adjust to, we didn't change. So there had to be a little bit more force. I think with Alyssa, I spanked her twice. Two times. Very traumatic. For her too. My son, I cannot count how many times I spanked him. <laughs> but, but we understood how the... You have to understand what the, what going on, what's going on with the child. And how to get in and understand those things. If you try and reason with your flesh, more than likely you're going to lose. You have to get in there and you have to you have to be willing to battle your flesh. You have to have the mentality of an offensive lineman facing an offense or defensive lineman. You are not getting in here and determined this is how it's going to be. You've got to be in there for the fight. You can't be doing no backing down because once you have that flesh under control and you need to hear from God, now you can fast and pray. And when you fast, you are heightening your spirit to be able to hear. And your flesh is saying, I need to be quiet. Because if I am not quiet right now, they will flatten me. And I want this. I've learned when not to rise up. And when to settle down. And your flesh says, this is the time we need to settle down. Because if I don't, they're going to pick a war with me again. And I don't want a war. See, when you get into that level, and you have your flesh under control because you have lived a life of fasting and prayer, whether it's days of fasting or a fasted life, that flesh is under control and the devil throws things to try and get your emotions going. Oh, a storm. Let's take care of this. Just like Daniel. Oh, a storm. They want to kill us. Let's take care of this. Oh, a dream. And you don't know what it is? Let's take care of this. Nothing's impossible. It's very calm. Not so much for the king you can get yourself to that place and you fast and pray, you're going to hear from God a whole lot better. Not because the fasting moved God, but the fasting got your spirit on high alert. Sensitive. Listening. There's a person who was... You know, I have a couple of running forums that I uh, log into and find some interesting things every once in a while. One person put up there she said, um, I, think it was a, I think it was a she. Um, I don't remember from the name. But anyway, they put up there, they said, should I, it was raining on wherever they were at, it was raining, should I run in the rain 
Put that question up there. And people were all there, oh no, don't run in the rain, go down the treadmill, I mean, all these different things. So I put up there, I says, look, I said, if you will run in the rain, the thunderstorms, the hail, the sleet, the snow, the ice, the wind, the cold, the heat, it changes your mentality. They never did reply. <laughs> I was just thinking that. They never, they never did reply. But you see, it changes your mentality on how you go about it. Now, I'm not saying that you all have to go out there and do all those kind of things. What I'm saying is you've got to find some things that you take your flesh through and your flesh learns who's boss. The flesh learns, I don't call the shots anymore. The Spirit does. Because right now, this is how most Christians live. They hear a bad report. Oh no, I gotta go to prayer. God, I'm, I'm so scared. I got this bad report. I think I'm gonna die. That is a person who's controlled by their flesh, not their spirit. The devil can say anything at all to them, and they get upset, they get worried, and they get concerned. But God can say things to them, and they throw it out the window. I do not throw out what God says. Sure, you do. How many of you folks? God has told you to do something, take on something, quit doing something, or start doing something, and you didn't do it. Don't raise your hand. If God spoke something to you and you didn't do it, you would throw out what God says, but you'll pick up what the devil says. You're going to die. Oh, I'm so worried I'm going to die. Oh, I'm so afraid that this is going to happen. Oh, I don't know what's... Oh, oh. I don't, I don't know. We get all concerned because our flesh rules us. Fasting is going to benefit you or things where you deny your flesh. I can't fast. I can't not eat. That's fine. Keep yourself off the TV. No TV for a week. A week. Be good if I do a couple hours. No desserts. You got to find something that your flesh wants. You know, for me, giving up beets doesn't help. I don't like beets. Can't stand beets. Giving up beets would be wonderful. No, I don't eat them anyway. My wife made them the other night. She likes them. She ate them all. She passed them by me. She said, "Do you want some?" I said, "Absolutely not." They will not come nigh my plate, and they did not. I think they look awful and they leave, they leave a mark. You cannot get rid of that mark they leave on the plate. That, that, they're there. And then they get that red in all the other food. My true feelings are beats are of the devil. No, not really. They're just not for me. You can try and, you know, people can try and guilt me into eating all sorts of stuff. I won't be guilted into it. If I don't like it, I don't eat it. If I like it, I eat it. That's all there is to it. If you get offended because I don't like something that you like, tough. <laughs> get over it. You need to get offended so you find out that you need to stop doing that. <laughs> I don't get offended that you don't like this or that or the other thing. You don't have to like it. That's all fine. I like guacamole. My granddaughter, she first born, loved guacamole. Loved it. And then she started hating it. 
guacamole. Uh, now, now she's starting to like it again. But I didn't stop liking her because she stopped liking guacamole. You don't want to eat guacamole? Don't eat it. It's more for me. This is good. I get to eat more food that I like instead of other stuff. But, you know, I, I've learned if there's nothing on the table, and it's very subtle and that's the case, but if there's nothing on the table that I want to eat, I don't have to eat. I'm fine. You know, I can just skip this meal. I don't need to eat. I just skip it and go. Don't have to. You have to, you have to get that supremacy over your flesh. Otherwise, you won't hear your spirit. If you don't hear your spirit, you don't hear what God's telling you to do. If you don't hear what God's telling you to do, you can't go where God's telling you to go. You can't get to the place that you want to get to. Now, we started this series. I told you all, all out what God told me. There were I don't know if I told you the whole thing, but there were three phases. I didn't know there were three phases until the third phase was... was I was in the third phase. I knew the first phase. That's all I knew. Until he said the second phase. I hit the second phase. And that's all I knew. Until I hit the third phase. The third phase is the one I really told you about. And I was in that phase for, for quite a while. And then I told you that, you know, we branched out of that phase. I didn't know if I was ever going to branch out of that phase, but we branched out of that phase. And I moved on into other things. Do you know I have branched out of that phase so much that there is a competition I was in every single year for a long time? And it has suddenly been revived. I was looking at the numbers and I said, you know, I can do this. I always used to do the thing, run the year. Whatever the year was, you ran that many miles. And I just looked at the numbers and I said, all right, I'm behind for the first, for the first half. But that first quarter, I was way behind. I've caught up so much in the second quarter that if I just keep up what I have been doing, I will go over 2,200 miles this year. Just if I keep up doing what I'm doing. I don't have to increase anything. Nothing. This is from somebody who couldn't run at all before. And the doctor said, you can't run. You should not do it. Thank you, doctor. Appreciate your information on that. But you see, I had to listen to my spirit. He spoke to me in my spirit what to do. He's spoken to you some things what you do too. If you don't start doing it, if you don't start doing phase one, you don't get to phase two. If you don't start doing phase two, you don't get to phase three. If you don't do phase three, you don't get to phase four if there is a phase four. But God only gives you what you, what you have right now. If I didn't listen to what he told me to do first, there would never would have been anything more. I finished yesterday. I went on a run. Uh, John wasn't available. He had to do some other things. And I run, that is a particular route I run. Used to run it all the time. It was a staple in my, my regimen for the week. I ran this route three times at least a week. But it was too far for me to run under what I was normally able to do. I missed it so much, I actually drove a couple of miles, parked the truck so I could run it. Just so I could run you know, the, the, the best parts of it. And then I got back in the truck and came back. I didn't go over the mileage I was supposed to do. But I was looking at this week and said, this week I've already had three runs longer than that one. I'm just going to go run it. So I just went out and started from the beginning, ran from home all the way down to the end, finished the whole thing, came back. It was an out and back. It's not a loop. It was an out and back. But um, did the whole thing. Felt so good afterwards. So good afterwards. I, felt, I told God, I feel like I can keep going. 
I could probably run that thing again. I didn't. <laughs> but I felt like I could. See, if you will do what God says to do, you'll get over what you're trying to get past. But this is what we do. We pray to God, God, I need an answer on this. God, I need help on this. God, I'm having this physical problem. God, I'm having this mental issue. God, I'm having this whatever it might be. And I ask God, but I, I don't hear because my flesh is so stirred up. When God speaks to me and He says, Steve, you can do this. No, you can't do that. Now, I know that's what goes on because I hear people who say, I think God told me to do, and they'll name what it is that they do, but I just can't do that right now. Now, who told them to do it? It would be God. So then who told them they couldn't? That would be their flesh. You see, there's the flesh and God. And one is against the other. So when God says, do this, my flesh rises up. You can't do that. You can't do that. But you see, I don't know that it's my flesh. It's, just, it's, it's a voice. I, I, I know I can't do that just yet. Why do you know that? Because we, we can't hear God through all the noise. If God speaks to you, and you say, God, if you spoke this to me now, that I am ready for this. I can, I can go through and I can do this. We didn't finish this part of the chapter. I thought we did. Verse 20. Now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are determined for your people, for your holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore the build and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. We're not getting into all the weeks and stuff like that. We've done that in end times. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublesome times. And after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. So while Daniel is praying, the answer is sent. And he hears it. Now look at what he hears. He hears 70 weeks are determined for your people. What started this question was what was in Scripture. What he gets is not in Scripture. This is the only place that you're going to see this. This is a great revelation. This could not be found in Scripture. It could be calculated. You could calculate some things out of this. But you won't find this revelation in Scripture. But he got it in the Spirit. Sometimes God will speak revelation to his saints that's not in Scripture. 
because they have been developed so much spiritually, they can discern, oh, alright, God's speaking this to me. Here's where the foundation is in Scripture, but this is what He said. And they know what comes behind, they know the foundation. Because everything that He's going to speak is going to have a foundation. This had a foundation. But He said, from the first day that you set your heart to understand. Well, that's how we're in um, Daniel chapter 10. Let me look at that one. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, this is two years later, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long and he understood the message and he had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth. Look at that. I ate no pleasant food, no meat. What's he doing with meat? No pleasant meat, no meat, no food, no meat. Or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. In other words, he didn't take a bath for three weeks. How many of you feel terrible after you don't take a bath for a couple of days? Yeah. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of upas. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms felt like burnished bronze, or feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words were like the sound of a multitude. You hear similar descriptions of this man in other places in Scripture. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell on them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength, yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face. With my face to the ground, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this words, word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God... Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the king of Persia, kingdom of Persia, withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. From the first day you set your heart to understand. From the first day, that's when the answer was sent. Fasting, prayer, denying yourself meat, wine, all that. That didn't move God. God was already moved. He was moved by His words. The words of His mouth is what moved God. Not His fasting, not His prayers, but the words that He spoke. What are the words of your mouth? We spent some time a few weeks ago looking at some of the words that we speak with our mouth. What are the words of your mouth? And those are the things that move God. Do your words move between positive and negative? Sometimes positive, sometimes negative? Do your words move from sometimes worry and fear to sometimes praise and adoration? Or move them back and forth? See, James has a verse for you. He calls you wishy-washy. Let that man not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. But see, Daniel wasn't one who was wishy-washy. He didn't vacillate between opinions. He stayed with the opinion that God had. 
See, God has a desire to make known to you things. But He needs you to be able to hear. And He needs to know that when I share this with you, when I speak this to you, you will hear it. Now, whatever it is that we do, we need to hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to us. Because sometimes the Spirit of God is going to tell you things that you are convinced are not right. He will do this to you. Now, we, for those of you who weren't here on, on Wednesday, how many people were not here on Wednesday and didn't hear the Wednesday, message, Wednesday uh, service? A couple of people here. Wednesday service, we got into some stuff on the temple. And as I was studying this, I was, every time I take on any of these topics, Ezekiel, whatever it is, I just do all the reading that I can and I read everything because I want to hear what, what did God give other people. And I got to take that and build on it, not just come up with new stuff on my own. Got to take that and build on it. And I saw this, this thing that was, was put out there that the temple mount is not the temple mount. You know what I thought when I first heard that? That's silly. Of course the temple mount is the temple mount. But I said, well, let's, let's go ahead and investigate this anyway. So I went ahead and investigated it and did some checking out. By the time I was finished with it, I was so convinced that what I believed was wrong that I threw it out. I am thoroughly convinced that the Temple Mount is not the Temple Mount. There was never a temple on it. Now, you can go back on Wednesday and listen to all the stuff that went on and, and uh, decide what, end of, what side of it you come down on. But I only bring that up to you to tell you this. Spirit of God wants to speak things to you about the Word, but you've got preconceived ideas about them. If you have a preconceived idea about the Word and it is wrong, where did it come from? Did it come from God? Did not. It came from the devil. It came from our flesh. It came from some, some other source. It did not come from God. I am taking something not of God and holding on to it as if it were. And if I am not willing to release that when God speaks to me, why would God bother to speak to me? Well, He's going to give you a shot. Why did Jesus speak in parables? So that hearing they don't hear and seeing they don't see. They become responsible for it. But when I take the word of God and God says, Steve, this is how this really is. Oh, but you see, I've trained my spirit and I still have more training to do. I'm not telling you that I've trained it all the way and I'm, I'm where I need to. I still have a lot more training to do. I can see a whole lot more training out there. I keep looking at it. Dear God, there's so much more. I have to get so much further. I have so much more training to go through and so much more that you have to do with me. I, I understand that. But if I am not willing to take something that I think is from God and when God speaks to me and says, Steve, that's wrong. This is what the truth is. <gasps> Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But you see, he looks at, looks at us what do you do when God speaks the word to you? What do you do when God tells you how to overcome something? Well, I just can't do that. Oh, I just, you know, I would like to do that, but, well, you know, well, God understands my heart. And he knows that I would, I really want to. Now, those who have disciplined the flesh, they'll benefit from fasting. They have a, they'll heighten their hearing. They'll silence their flesh. 
But if you haven't disciplined your flesh, fasting, when you need to hear from God, that's not the best thing to be doing. You're going to stir up your flesh. You're going to get that little kid in the cart. I want candy screaming real loud. And you won't hear all the things that are going on. In fact, that parent is probably so distracted with the child and the screaming and the carrying on and how embarrassed they are about all the things going on, all the the people think, that they become less and less aware of what happens around them. People could steal from them, they wouldn't even know it. Because they're distracted. So your flesh wants to sing loud noises. And it wants to get your attention. And it wants your attention off the things of God. But don't let them do that. Life is going to get busy. And if you make a decision, say, well, I'm going to give God a certain amount of time. I'm going to give God this. Just know life will get busy. If God has spoken to you and He says you need to do this, there will be people, Christian people sometimes, people who love you, who will rise up and come against that word that God has spoken to you to get you to stop. But you have to serve your God. He has to be first and foremost. Remember that verse we looked at a few weeks ago? If you love father and mother, sister and brother, more than him, can't be doing it. He's got to be the one that I love the most. Every time my flesh rises up, wants me to get angry and I follow suit. Every time the, I give in to an evil thought or a, re, a bad report on someone and I begin to think poorly of them and begin to avoid them, begin to stay away from them doing certain things, I've listened to my flesh. Don't be doing it. Every time I become fearful, every time I become worrisome, when I become anxious, I'm giving in to my flesh. My flesh is rising up and I'm giving in to those words because when God speaks His words, His words bring about peace. His words bring about joy. When I'm speaking words and they're not filled with peace and joy and all the things that God has given into the wrong ones. Fasting, like Daniel, will help you if you have the mindset of Daniel. Now, the good thing is, you can get the mindset of Daniel. It's not just for Daniel. It can be for you too. But it takes some effort. And just like Daniel, every day, he had his times. This is what helped him get that flesh under control. This is what he did. He said ever since he was young, his youth, he did this. He determined from early on, this is what I'm going to do. That's not saying that's the way to become spiritual. That's the way Daniel took authority over his flesh. So much so that when he faced lion's dens, he could do so. When he faced death, didn't faze him. Didn't matter. Because he listened to the voice of his spirit. That voice is powerful. That voice, the instruction that the Spirit of God will give you will get you through so many things, get you past stuff if you just listen to Him. And don't speak words out of your flesh. Don't give in to the anger. 
Don't give in to the anxiety. Don't give in to the fear. Don't give in to the negativity of your flesh. Listen to the things of God. Now, it's not saying that your flesh won't rise up and those things are going to come in. And don't think that, well, these things are still rising up, so I must not be born again. I must not be the, the servant God wants. No, you can have those things rise up. But they don't control me anymore. They rise up. And I say, uh-uh. I'm not going to do it. I'm not giving in to those, those things. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, I thank you that you have great love for us. No matter what we have succumbed to in the past, I thank you that your love is still there for us. That you desire to show mercy. You have compassion for us. You want to see us overcome. Because when we become overcomers and we overcome the words and the thoughts of our flesh, and give supremacy to our spirit. Not only do we become more useful for your kingdom. Life is more enjoyable. Thank you. That you can help us. To bring under control that noisy. Complaining. Fearful. Worrisome flesh in our members we can retrain it but we can give supremacy to our spirit with every head bowed here this morning if you're here today and you say well I thought I was doing pretty good but I understand my flesh has a bit of a hold on me more than it should Not that I'm involved in all kinds of crazy sin. But my thoughts go in the way of fear or worry. I become negative. I have a hard time believing the good in people. Walking in the love of God. Whatever it might be that our flesh rises up and tries to steer us into. But if you'll stand here today and say, I'm making a commitment. That every day, this is a daily battle, every day I will come against my flesh and build up my spirit. I won't let my flesh rule me, but I will crucify it with its passions and desires. Become an even better servant for God. If you're here this morning, you can make that prayer, you can make that commitment, just raise your hand up. see those hands well father you see these people that raise their hands i thank you that this starts now this starts today we're training our spirit to hear from you we're going to be like daniel who's able to hear despite all the noise that goes on around him and when you have someone in your body that wants to hear that much and is able to hear like that. When they make a request of you, you send angels immediately to bring the answer.
that same love you have for Daniel, you have for us. Father, I thank you for that great love. That you are taking us to great places. That your desire is to make us into great servants for you. We can overcome the voice of our flesh that has ruled us for so long and be ruled by our spirits. Thank you and give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we're going through the week, if you have things you'd like to share on this, you just want to share with me, you can just send a text over. If you don't have my number, let me know. You can... Um, Get it any way you want to. Pastor, just be agreeing with me on this. You can give me as much detail or as little detail as you want. I won't press you. You can just say that this thing is hanging out there. Got this that's going on. But I want to stand with you. I want to know that you're, that you're going through. This will bring you so much joy in your life to hear what the voice of the flesh sounds like. To know that you can have the victory over it. Fasting is a way to hear that voice of the flesh. And once you hear it, once you get to know it, you say, oh, that's the flesh speaking. I don't need to listen to it. I need to listen to my God. Have a great week. Bless some people before you, before you go.